Yeah, no. Hopefully those are quite a few years down the road. All right. Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, I'm John Durga. Uh, Our regular pastor, Eric, is in Great Falls preaching today. So you get me. All right. Before we start. Oh, hello. Before we start, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for the opportunity to come and present your word. Father, I pray that your hand will be upon me and may the words that I speak be pleasing to you, Father. May you also be upon those who hear this message, Father. Show us today from your word what you want us to do, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Yeah, that's what I said. Um, So I found myself this week, about, oh, Tuesday or Wednesday, thinking, gee, I really would like to hear another sermon on Samson. And then I remembered, oh, I'm preaching today. Um, I I don't know about you, but I have really enjoyed the series that we've been going through on Samson. I've enjoyed learning actually a lot of new things that I hadn't thought about. Uh, but I think the thing that's probably stuck out most to me about this past series on Samson is that unlike when I was a kid, now I don't want to be anything like him. Um, my sermon today is not based off of Samson, but it's based off of a question that as we've been going through this, through the series on Samson that I have been asking myself and that I want to pose to you today. And that is the question, what kind of a Christian am I anyway? It's a hard question, uh, a question that I think we all need to, to ask and we need to think about. <clears throat> Today, the passage that we're going to be looking at is 2 Timothy chapter 2, um, but I'm not going to be covering it in order, um, so we'll be, we'll be jumping around in 2 Timothy 2. Uh, before we jump into the book, before we, before we start asking ourselves the question, what kind of Christian am I anyway? Uh, we should probably know a little bit of background about the book of Second Timothy. It was written to Timothy by the Apostle Paul. Um, Timothy was probably a pastor in the city of Ephesus at this point. He was, uh, he was not necessarily known as being a very bold or courageous person, Paul was continually telling him, you know, be strong, be firm, uh, 
Don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. Uh, You need to take charge of what God has given you there at Ephesus. Um, He's also someone that, that evidently Paul had known about for a very long time. He was a very special person to the Apostle Paul. Um, At the time that this was written, Paul was in prison for the second time. Uh, In the year 66 AD, the Roman Emperor Nero burned Rome and then blamed it on the Christians that were living there. Uh, And that started a huge persecution of Christians. Nero then, in order to continue persecuting Christians, banned Christianity. It became an illegal religion in Rome. And so the Christians that were there in Rome fled and scattered. And it was during this persecution that Paul was arrested for the second time. Uh, Knowing this, realize that when we look at the book of 2 Timothy, this is Paul's, this is essentially Paul's last words. There isn't any escape for him at this point. Eventually, he is going to be taken before a Roman court, convicted of practicing Christianity, which you would expect the Apostle Paul would be convicted of that, and beheaded for his faith. <coughs> As you look through the book of 2 Timothy, you can see that Paul is ready, he's willing, he's, he is prepared to face his death, to face his martyrdom. But he is intensely concerned for Timothy and what Timothy is going to do once he's gone. So if you will turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy, we're going to jump right in. Uh, I'm going to be asking a series of questions today. Take time to think about these questions. Answer them for yourself. Consider, take time to look deeply within yourself and answer these questions, okay? So the first question that I have for you relating to what kind of a Christian am I is the question, am I believing the correct gospel? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, from which I suffer trouble as an evil for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. As we come before God today, are you trusting in anything other than the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ as your way to have a right relationship with God? Are you trusting anything else? Um, Do 
we only have one way to God. And that's the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Christ came, he died, and what was happening in, in Ephesus is that there were false teachers that were coming in trying to preach another gospel, trying to say, <clears throat> trying to add things to the gospel, uh, trying to make people follow regulations and, and other, other practices that did not line up with what Paul had presented them with to be the gospel. You, as you look at yourself, have you accepted the work that Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross? Have you accepted the, the price that he paid, the blood that he shed, the death that he died, and then ultimately the resurrection he received? Have you, have you accepted that? Now, as I said, this is not in order. I'm jumping around in the book of, in the chapter of Second Timothy. <clears throat> if you have the first question answered, am I, am I truly a Christian? Do I truly believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he's come and died and paid for my sins? If you have that question answered, the second thing that I saw in this passage comes from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, with the question, am I following the right commander? You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. A lot of times we compare the Christian life or the Christian life is compared to a battle, to service in the army. Um, What we need to ask ourselves today and every day is, am I allowing God to call the shots in my life? What do I base my decisions on? What, when I look at my, when I look at my life, when I make decisions, whether they be large or small, is God the one who is in charge of that? Am I doing what he wants me to do? Am I focusing on what he wants me to focus on? The third question And I think this is one that I've struggled with a lot. The third question that I have for you today is, am I ready for God to use me? Am I prepared for God to use me? When we accept Jesus Christ into our, into our life and into our heart, uh, we instantly become a child of God. We instantly have a new relationship with God. But at times, maybe I've seen this in my life, maybe you've noticed it in yours, at times I 
I think, okay, I'm a child of God. Now what? Now what do I do? Am I ready for God to use me? Um, where I see this is in 2 Timothy 2, chapter, or verse, uh, verses 20 and 21. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Paul likes using metaphors, and in this, in this verse he's using, he's basically using a metaphor about kitchen utensils. Um, in that day and age, anything that was made of clay, anything that was made of wood, that was common use. When I was over in Israel, any place that there was a city, an ancient city, every place you walked, there were pieces of pottery and uh, pieces of clay and pieces of pottery, things that had been broken, uh, things that were no longer useful. Clay was cheap. It, it was, oh, how should we say, it was the Tupperware of the day. I mean, they, they used it for everything. <clears throat> and as soon as it broke, they just threw it out and got a new one because then it was cheap. Um, but things that were made of gold, things that were made of silver, um, this was essentially the fine china of the day. That was, uh, it was the thing that, it was the, the utensils that they would bring out when company came. Uh, when, it, when they were having a special celebration. In um, asking the question, am I ready for God to use me? Am I prepared? I think the, the best, the analogy that I could think of today, and maybe pastors use this one, I was thinking about that, but is the difference between fine china and paper plates. Um, now, by rights, both fine china and paper plates are useful, right? But which one presents better? The fine china. As God's children, we are also God's representatives here on this earth. Part of the answer to whether or not I'm ready for God to use me is have I set myself apart for his work? Am I focused? Am I, am, I, <clears throat> am I trying to set myself apart to be the person that God would like to use? When Christ is presented through my life, do they see it presented on a fine china plate or do they see it presented on a paper plate. Um, as I was thinking about Samson, uh, I guess in my mind, Samson was a paper plate. God had to work through Samson in spite of himself. Now, can God do that? Yes. God can, can do whatever he wants. God can, 
God is such that he can work through even his enemies to bring about the plans that he has. That's the the power of the God that we have. But the question for us is, do do we want to be the fancy china or the paper plate? Um, so how do I do this? How do I become a vessel that is fit for honor? How do I become the, the type of person that God is wanting and willing to use? Um, first off, it's by by cleansing ourselves. By cleansing ourselves from what? There's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of lists in the Bible of things that we're supposed to uh, avoid, and then things that we're supposed to do. But since we're already here, I'd like to look at Second Timothy chapter three. This is a list that Timothy was supposed to watch out for. It's a actually a list of character traits that he was supposed to watch out for in the congregation that he was preaching to and in the, in the congregation that he was taking care of. Care of. Um, as I read through this, ask yourself, does this sound like me? It's important. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1 through verse 5. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. From such people, turn away. Did any of that sound like you? If your answer is no, that's great. And I wish I was right there with you. Because sometimes, some of that list sounds an awful lot like me. Um, The good thing is, for us, if we recognize these things in ourselves... God is in the business of turning paper plates into fancy china. Uh, <clears throat> but how do we do this? If I've recognized, in, if I've recognized that in, in myself that there is something that God does not like, what do I do? What do I do? It's pretty simple, and yet at the same time pretty hard. First thing that we need to do is to confess. 
Confess, it means literally to say the same thing as. I agree with what God has said about this sin that I am, that I am harboring. Whether it be anger or malice or bitterness. Um, whether it be my love of something more than I love God. Regardless of what it is. The first thing that we do, that we need to do is to confess. 1 John 1 9. Some of you can probably quote this verse. But it says, If we confess our sins, or if we say the same thing as God says about our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we go to God and sincerely want to be free of this sin, God, the first step we need to, first step that we need to take is to bring it straight to God. <clears throat> David, when he sinned with Bathsheba, when he, when he confessed his sin before God, he, he said, against you and you only have I sinned. Recognize that this sin, whatever we have, is against God himself. And, but, and what does the Bible say? That he will forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Every single bit. <clears throat> but really, <clears throat> excuse me, our confession is not supposed to stop there. <clears throat> We've confessed to God but we also need to confess to each other. We can see this in James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Um, we are part of God's family. Everyone who has accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, we are part of his family. So we not only talk to dad, but we also talk to brother and sister. Because when we talk to each other about the problems we are having, we have, well, number one, we're supposed to have support from the rest of the body. I mean, there's not, there's no sin that is original to you. Not one. Somebody else, at some time, probably closer than you think, has struggled with the same sin. They may have advice. They may, may, they may have words of wisdom. They may, they may be able to help you with that sin that you're dealing with. And number two, it's accountability. You know, it's it was really hard. You know, if I if I wanted to get away with something when I was growing up, I didn't do it when my brothers were around. 
Anybody else have that saying? <laughs> yeah, Rebecca. I didn't do it when my brother, brothers are around because I knew that my brothers were going to be talking to mom and dad about me. Now, we called it tattling. Um, but um, it's easier to fall when you are by yourself. It is easier to run to the darkness when you are by yourself. Um, we have a wonderful church family here. We really do. And I can't really think of anybody that I couldn't go to in this body of believers that wouldn't be able to help hold me accountable for the things that I'm doing. So we've confessed. We've said, God, I, I understand that what I have done before you is wrong. I understand that, that it is a sin, that it's repulsive in your sight. I confess to my brothers and sisters saying, brother, sister, help me with this. But if I stop there, it doesn't really do any good. Why? Because the second thing we need to do is repent. Repent literally means to turn around and go the other way. Uh, <clears throat> as I as I read that list, maybe you found maybe you found something in that list of of things that might creep into the church. Maybe you found something on that list that describes you. Um, if you feel sorry about it, that's good. That means God is working on you. That's great. However, what kind of sorrow do you have? Uh, in the book of Second Corinthians, Paul is... He's talking to the church in Corinthians, and he has laid some very heavy things on them. He has openly chastised them about some of the things that they are doing that's wrong. He, well, I think it was in, first, in the first letter to the Corinthians, he chastised them about some of the things that they were doing wrong. Um, his... And they were sorry about it, but they were sorry to the point that they turned around and they went the other way. His commentary on this in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted. If you recognize in yourself something that God wants you to change, something that God wants you to turn around and go the other way to, great. Great, it's good that you are sorrowful. It's good that you are wanting and willing to change. However, if it's truly a sorrow that's from God, it'll re produce repentance. You actually will turn around. You actually will go the other way. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted. Hurts like crazy. 
when you're going through it, but it's a good thing. But sorrow of the world produces death. This is probably a sorry I got caught sorrow. (laughs) Sorry I got caught. You won't catch me again kind of thing. Um, If you find yourself going back to a specific sin over and over and over again, I beg of you, get help. Turn around. Confess your sin to God. Confess your sin to others. And as best as you can, whatever you have to do, turn around. Go the other way. So what's our purpose? What's our purpose? What's our job? If we have if we have accepted Christ, if we have decided that God is now boss, we're following him completely. If we have cleansed, if we have purified ourselves, what is the job that God is going to have us do? Um the question that's the question that we need to answer. What is God going to have us do? What's he going to, to work with? What's he going to have us do? I think the answer to that is God is going to have us serve our brothers and sisters in the faith. That's going to be God's job for us. Now, this includes brothers and sisters that we've never met. This includes brothers and sisters that we don't know who they are yet. Um, back to Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 10, Paul uh, talking, he's in prison, he, he knows he's going to die, and he knows why he's suffering. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And we can get into a big argument about who the elect are and who they aren't and whatnot. But in this case, elect, that word elect, means brothers and sisters who have not yet come to faith in Jesus Christ. Um, I believe that God knows everything. He's omniscient. He knows Who's going to come to faith? Which, by extension, means that he knows who's not going to accept. But guess what? We don't. So we have to assume that everyone we meet is a potential brother or sister. Everyone that we meet has the potential to come to faith. Are they going to accept him or not? I don't know. But I owe it to God and I owe it to them to present Christ in the best possible light. I owe it to them. Um, 
But it's not, it's not just those people who don't know Christ that we're serving. We're also serving members of our own body. Um, <clears throat> Second Timothy 2, verses 24 through 26. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, which has been, which is having been taken captive by him to do his will. Now, as I looked at this verse, it could be talking about people who have not yet come to faith in Christ, but it can also be referring to people inside the church um, who, quite frankly, are stuck. Uh, Stuck in a particular sin. Stuck in a particular way of thinking. Um, That's our job. That's the job that God has for us. Are you, as you look at yourself today, are you that kind of person? Are you the kind of person that God's going to use? Are you the person who has accepted him has accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, or are you the person who has said, God, my life is yours. You can do with it whatever you want. This doesn't mean that God's going to send you away to deepest, darkest Africa to serve him, although he might. Um, Are we the kind of person that God wants to use? If your answer, and sometimes, honestly, sometimes my answer is no. Today, I'm really not that person that God wants to use. Then it's our our necessity, our, <clears throat> and hopefully our desire to get right with God, to confess our sins to him and to each other. And I think it's only right that I should confess some things to you. Lately, as I have looked at my life, I do not feel that I have been the Christian that God wants me to be. Particularly in that I am very quick to become angry. For no good reason, really. I've already confessed this to God as I... As I was working through this sermon, I 
I couldn't continue with the sermon and not face some of the things that have been happening in my life. But I'm coming to you as, as my body of Christ, as, as a fellow believer, and I'm asking you to help. Um, I'm not quite sure, honestly, I'm not quite sure how to, to change my attitude, my anger. I ask that you keep me in prayer. I ask that you, that you ask me how I'm doing. And then don't let me get away till I give you an honest answer. Because fine is probably not it. Um. Would you help me? My hope and my prayer for everyone here is that you will always be working towards being the person that God wants to use. That he will constantly be pressing and molding and shaping your life so that we can be the congregation that that God needs, so we can be the congregation that this community needs, so that we can be the type of people who present God well to a world that is, for all intents and purposes, going crazy. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? <clears throat> Father, I I don't know if I've represented your represented your word clearly or effectively this morning. I pray that you will that you will ingrain your word into our hearts, Lord, that, that you would speak through through your word, that you would change us and mold us into the congregation and the people that you want us to be. Father, I pray also that even if we are stubborn, that you don't give up on us, that you focus and push and continue to to bring us into the light, Father. Pray that we as a congregation will stand together with one another, that we will lift each other up in prayer, that uh, we will keep each other accountable. I pray, Father, that we would be a congregation that honors and glorifies you. Lord, I pray that you help us to this effect. I pray that we will be people who honor and glorify you in everything that we do, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.